Uh, as I said to the kids, we're in the middle of a series on Philippians and we've been looking at that over the last couple of weeks and we're going to continue to look at that through till the end of this term. Uh, it's, one of the, it's a great book of the Bible, a really encouraging book of the Bible. I want to encourage you to be reading that at home, uh, spending time going through it together uh, by yourself with others uh, in our small groups. You'll be doing that, but do that yourself. I really encourage you to notice the number of times that Paul uses the word joy or rejoice. Uh, it's a book that wants to encourage you to do that. Uh, it's a book that wants to encourage you to think more about that and to encourage others in that as well. Uh, over the last uh, two weeks, we've noticed that uh, Paul has really been working on uh, some character traits. I wonder what you would think would be the 10 top character traits. If you were to name the 10 top character traits that you'd like to see in people, what do you think they might be? What would you say? Honesty, yep. Faithfulness, nice. Compassionate, kindness, respect. Love. Ooh, that one snuck in, didn't it? Uh, great character traits, aren't they? Let me read you the 10 character traits for a happy life, according to the internet. Uh, humility, courageous, grateful, tolerant, loving, forgiving, selfless, honest, persistent, expectant, patience. Ah, no, they're not too bad, are they? They're not too bad at all, are they? Uh, well, I actually think that if you were wanting to get them even more solid, it would be great to hear the ones that God wants for us, wouldn't it? Uh, what he desires for us. And in Philippians, you could almost say that the book of Philippians could almost be broken up into the ten character traits that God would desire for us. And as we saw last week uh, and the week before that, the first one was Paul's passion. Uh, the second week we saw that was Paul's confidence. And this week we're going to see it's Paul's commitment. Passion, confidence, commitment, they're not bad, are they? Uh, but the good thing about these is they're not for a happy life. Uh, not just plucked out of the air and said these are the things that are somehow going to make you happy. But all these things have a direction and have a source. They're not just because they're good things to do and somehow you'll be a good person about this. Uh, but they're all because these things have a direction and a source. Paul's passion was for Jesus and for those who love Jesus. Paul's uh, confidence was in Jesus and in that he could go and serve others and live for others within that. And we're going to see today that Paul's commitment is to Jesus and to others. Now that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? You see, these aren't character traits that are somehow going to make you good people. That's not what they're about. They're character traits that take us to Jesus and help others to know that as well. And within that, they make a huge difference in how we live. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read from, one, uh, from Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. I'm going to think about what that looks like in being committed and commitment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you, Lord, that in your word uh, we don't just get platitudes, we don't just get pithy sayings, but we get your word. Uh, in your word, Lord, we find out what it is to know you and to love you and to serve you and to live for you, Lord. And we know, Lord, that that is the good life, that is the best life, because it's about you and your life. We pray this morning that as we think about that together, as we think about 
Uh, these three verses, only small, but yet powerful, Lord. We pray this morning that you'll speak to us through your word, that by your spirit, Lord, you'll work within us to transform us, to change us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Karen's going to come up and she's going to read to us. It's, uh, she got the lucky dip. She got the short Bible reading. And uh, Betty got the long one last week, but Karen's got the short one. Philippians 1, 27-30 Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on, on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Thanks, Karen. Now, if you remember last week too, I mentioned that in each of these things that we do, I'm going to encourage you each week to pick a verse. To, be, to memorise. Now Dave threw it at you a little bit earlier. Uh, the last one from last week was to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want you to think about a verse out of this one and probably even the first verse is a good one to, to be thinking about. But each week think about as you read each little section, each little passage to take one verse and memorise it. And I guarantee you it will encourage you beyond belief. And God will bring that to your mind at different times when you need it. So one verse as we go through today, have a look and have a think. And I reckon the first one's not a bad one, is it? Uh, to live a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of Jesus. Uh, what it's saying to us is that uh, we are to live lives that are ambassadors for Jesus. That we are to live lives that reflect well on who Jesus is. Uh, we see that lots, don't we, in the world? People are amb ambassadors for countries. People are ambassadors... Uh, for organisations. We can see both good and bad examples of that, can't we? Just this week, the NRL has just popped its head up again, hasn't it, with two examples of people being caught with drugs. Cocaine. One of them is a CEO of the Premiership team from last year. We see examples of that, don't we? You see bad and good. I reckon one of the ones that, uh, who knows who this is? Oh yeah, might have got that, wouldn't you? That's Harry, isn't it? Now, Prince Harry is an example of someone who's been both, hasn't he? Uh, if you've looked over the years and watched Harry grow up, uh, you've seen that there have been times when he's been known as the party boy, Harry the partier, and he's, he's done that pretty well, hasn't he? And there's been moments when he's uh, stripped down to almost nothing and been caught on camera for it. Uh, he's been not a particularly good ambassador, for the crown, has he, at that point in time. But there's also just recently, if you've noticed, that Harry has done a lot of good things too, hasn't he? Uh, he's gone on and uh, helped what his mother started with the landmines in different countries. And he was in Australia just recently promoting the Invictus Games for those that have been injured during uh, warfare. He's been a bit of both, hasn't he? Sometimes he's been the bad boy, sometimes he's been the good one, sometimes he's been bringing dishonour to the crown, sometimes he's been bringing honour to the crown. Well, in the passage that we've just seen, we are to be ones that bring honour 
to Jesus. Now, we would have been both at times, wouldn't we? We could have been in both camps at different stages. But what this verse is saying to you and I this morning is that we want to be in the camp that brings honour to our true king. To the crown that is above all crowns. Not just the crown of England, but the crown of the universe, which is God, our king. That's what this passage is saying to us, isn't it? Uh, have a look there in the very first one. It says in verse 27, Whatever happens... Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now that whatever happens is extremely strong from Paul. This is like Paul has grabbed you by the shirt cuffs, dragged you in close and says, whatever happens. It's like Catherine Kim. Look at me, look at me. It's important. He wants you to know that this is one of the most important things he wants you to know in the whole of this letter. This is one of the most important things he wants you to know in the whole of your life, that whatever happens, whatever circumstance, whatever situation, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, doesn't matter whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're in fit, whether you're not fit, whether you're dying, whether you're healthy, whether you're on the bowls green, whether you're at the cricket club, whether you're at the football club, whether you're walking down the street, whatever happens, whatever happens, live a life worthy of the gospel. Live a life worthy of Jesus. You see, that word worthy that is there has a whole lot of extra stuff added into it. Uh, what that word worthy means is to live as if you are a citizen, as if you are a member of the gospel. That is, if you're a member of God's kingdom. Live a life worthy of being a citizen of heaven. You see, what Paul has gone all the way back before this, hasn't he? He says that if you know Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, if you know that Jesus' life, death and resurrection was there to bring you into a living, loving relationship with God for eternity, what he is doing is he's actually bringing you into the kingdom of heaven. That you've moved from being a citizen of the earth to being a citizen of heaven. That in fact you've actually got dual citizenship in one sense. You are living here, but actually your citizenship is in heaven. You ought to live for that kingdom, not this kingdom. Uh, we have Australian citizenships, don't we? It's a bit of a controversial topic at the moment uh, where we actually can become part of Australia. Or you're, if you're born here, you're automatically there. But if you come from another country, then you can apply to be that. And at the moment, there's a whole lot of debate, isn't there, on what the new questions should be and what they should look like. Well, I'm not going to get into that debate. But I reckon I just found this just the other day. What do you reckon? The Australian Citizen te Test, a practical section. <laughs> Learning to barbecue, I reckon. There needs to be a practical section to it, doesn't there? Well, whatever that says, there's a sense that you've got to take on something to be part of that. And not only do you need to take it on, but you need to live it. You see, to be a citizen of Australia, you need to take on what we are and who we are and believe in that. To be a citizen of heaven, all you need to do 
is answer one question. Who do you trust for this life and for eternity? It's Jesus and there's only one answer. And that answer is to be lived out, not by doing good barbecuing, but by living a life worthy of Jesus, of the gospel. Uh, just uh, for those who don't know, we're going on, Karina and I are going along service to leave in August. We're going to take off for at least eight weeks. And we've been working out what that's going to look like. And part of that is that you need to get a passport. And uh, we had to check our passport and make sure our passports were all up to date and make sure that we could say, yes, there it is, we've got that. That means that we are citizens of Australia. Well, if we put our trust in Jesus, if we know him, we are citizens of heaven. And our passport is stamped by him. We are his. And when we are his, then we're to live a life that brings honour to him. That's what a life worthy of Jesus is about. A life that reflects well on him. A life that honours him. A life that brings praise to him. A life that when people see us, they say, how good is Jesus? You know, when we travel overseas as Australians, sometimes people say, oh, great, you're an Aussie. Or however you want to put that in whatever accent you want to do. But in some places, we don't have a good rep. If you talk to people, some people in Bali, our reputation isn't great because of some of the things and the antics that Australians get up to over there. As citizens of heaven, we want to be known as people who bring honour to Jesus, that reflect well on him. You see, we need to model the message Sometimes we think, oh yeah, if we've just got all that in our head, then that's fine, we've got it all sorted. But that's not the picture that Paul gives us. To be worthy of, to be a citizen of, means we need to live a life that reflects that. We need to model the message. We need to model who Jesus is in how we live. And Paul says, whatever This has got to be your number one priority. I don't know where you've heard the main thing is the main thing always remains the main thing. Paul is saying the main thing is, as a follower of Jesus, that you live a life worthy of Jesus. As a citizen of his kingdom, as a citizen of his heaven, one that brings honour to him and reflects well on him, well, we've got to ask the question, how do we do that? That's a tough gig, isn't it? It's not easy. And sometimes we're going to be like Prince Harry who do it, does it well and sometimes we're going to be like Prince Harry who doesn't do it well. But the great news is that, as we're going to find out in a minute, we don't have to do that alone. We're going to do that together. And the good news is that we don't only just do it together, but we also have the power of God's Spirit within us to enable us to do it. And we also have God's Word who tells us how to do that and shows us how to do that. Uh, who can remember what these are? Yeah, who was around back in these days? Well, Gordon Larry, you've probably got one back in your shed somewhere, have you? 
horse-drawn carriage with uh, the, the wheel. Yeah, over time it did. But what would be the thing that would make it fall to pieces the quickest? All right. But what happens if the middle goes? It's gone, isn't it? If the hub goes, all the rest disintegrates. You see, our hub, what holds us and what is the centre of us and our lives has to be Jesus. Otherwise, the spokes destroy and fold and rot and go. That's what it means to be a citizen of heaven. It means to have Jesus at the hub of our lives in every aspect of it. That's a challenge when you're at the bowls club, isn't it? That's a challenge when you're on the golf course and you hit the ball not where you want it to go. That's a challenge when you're down the street and someone wants to tell you a bit of juicy gossip that you've about the person around the corner. That's tough when you're in a family, isn't it? And the family don't all love Jesus, and you do. And how do you, within that, reflect well on Jesus when everything else seems to be chaotic over here? Paul doesn't feign away from the fact that it's not easy. A little bit later he says we're going to suffer. It's going to be tough. But within it he says whatever happens, Jesus has got to be at the centre. Now last week I said to you that we've got only this term are we going to encourage you to take one verse out of every little passage that we hit this, uh, this term and memorise one of them. What we're going to encourage you to do is actually read the Bible. Wow. That's bizarre, isn't it? People telling us to read the Bible. Well, I actually think sometimes we hear it so much that we actually forget to do it. And we're told to do it so much that actually we think, oh, well, well, we've been doing this for such a long time that we think, oh, we can get rid of it. Or we can drop it a bit. Or we can move off it a bit. But you see, if we're going to know how to live with Jesus at the centre, to a life worthy of him, honour him as a citizen of heaven in every situation that God places us, then we need to be into his word which tells us how to do that in every situation. We need to be reading his word because that's where we're going to find it. I don't know about you, but there are moments I know and times in my life and moments in my week where that's the first thing that drops. Whereas that should be the last thing that drops. Can I encourage you with that? If you've never done that before, if you've never had an opportunity to sit down and read the Bible, well, grab me or grab someone else and we'll sit down and help you do that and get you started on that. If you've been doing it for a while and you've dropped off it, can I encourage you to get back into it? At our growth group encouragement night in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to spend two no- parts of that night. One night's going to be encouraging you to read the Bible. We're going to sit down and together do that. And the other one was going to encourage you to tell your story. We're going to do those two things, which I think are mighty powerful ways for us to live lives worthy of Jesus. But can I encourage you to do that? Do that yourself and do that with someone. 
Just get someone to sit with them during the week. Make time with them. Sit and just open up the Bible. Read it together. Ask God to enlighten you what it is. What he's saying in it to you. Talk about it together and then pray. It's no more enlightening than that. You don't have to invoke anything. You don't have to do any special incantations. You don't have to use any special material. Because the Bible is God's word and it is powerful. It's like a double-edged sword. So can I encourage you? Can I excite you? Can I build you up in this? Can I help you to rejoice in that? That Paul says he rejoices when he sees people doing He says, I want to rejoice when I hear that from you, that you've sat down during the week and you've just opened up the Bible and read it and prayed. And I want you to encourage me to do the same. Ask me, how have I gone this week with my Bible? What was something this week, Paul, that you read in the Bible that really touched you? Well, maybe, Paul, you didn't get anything out of this week, but what did you read? What was it that you looked at? How about we do that with each other? How about we ask each other? And if someone doesn't see that they haven't, don't smack them over the head with it. So, well, can I pray for you that you'll do that this week? What can I do to encourage you to do that this week? Because, you see, Paul says, whatever happens, whatever happens, live a life worthy of Jesus. Encourage you to do that yourself, but what Paul says, be committed to that and be committed to each other in that. That was what that little kids talk was all about, wasn't it? Paul Miller was the one that got shunted. Uh, Holly, you can do a bit of manipulation on his neck when you get home and uh, get him back realigned. Uh, but it's true, isn't it? By ourselves, we can stand and we say, oh, I'm going to take on anyone. Come on, have a go at me. But there's always going to be someone bigger who can knock you over. And I'll tell you what, you don't actually need someone bigger, do you? They just need to know where to push. But when we stand together then it is so much harder and it is so much better when we do it together. And that's what Paul says in these coming verses. Look what he says in verse 28. I'll know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That you, that's plural, together is plural. He's not saying that I'm expecting you to go out there by yourself with your one gun and take on the whole world. No, I'm saying together this is what I want you to do. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. And Paul brings to do, together here two metaphors. Uh, the word stand firm is actually an army picture. It's a picture of an army person standing firm, but not by himself, but with a whole lot of people together. It's like a platoon. He says, their platoon are gathered together and together they are a force. He says, stand firm together. No matter what the world throws at you, no matter what comes at you from any direction, if you've got a platoon together, you can hang on, can't you? Stand together, he says. And the second one, he says, strive together. And that's an athletic picture that he used. The word there is like a team striving to the end to get to the goal, to get to the finish line. And it's not one person striving to the end, it's a team striving to the end. It's like the team pursuit in, uh, uh, in cycling. Have you seen that? It's a great example of teamwork, don't they? They take off and they go hard and the four of them 
go round the track and round the track and they chase the other four. And if one of them is out of sync or doesn't work, the whole lot are cactus, aren't they? Now these guys go so hard that even one person sacrifices themselves right at the end. On the last two laps or so, one drops off and then three go as hard as they can. And if you notice their pictures, just about every foot is in exactly the same position. They are a team that moves together, strives together to get to the goal together. And Paul is saying to you and I this morning that that's what we need to be. A team that strives together. A team that stands firm together. Because he says, life's going to get tough out there. He's in jail. He knows what life is tough about. He's chained to a guard at the moment. He's in jail. He's talking to people who are outside. He's saying, guys, it's going to get hard. People are going to hassle you. People are going to make it difficult for you. The world is going to make it difficult for you to follow Jesus. He says, by yourself, that is almost impossible. But together, you can stand firm. Together, you can strive. You see, the Bible doesn't really have a picture of the one man fighting against the world. There are very few pictures of that. The Bible is mostly about a group of people coming together and together going out and doing that. And particularly when you get to the New Testament, you won't see that it's one person doing that. Paul doesn't go by himself, he takes a team with him. Peter has the 11 disciples around him, they go together. When they go into towns, they don't set up one guy as the apostle of that one town and say, go for it mate. They don't do that. They set up a team of elders, of leaders, who together go into that town and reach that town together. But so often I think in our individualistic Australian culture, we think we can stand by ourselves. I can, I can do it. I can do it my way. Even as a follower of Jesus, we, we, we take that on and we think, I can be an island. I'm strong enough to do the faith myself. I can walk this road by myself. I can handle it myself. Woohoo, I'm strong. I've got God, I've got the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do, but you've also got people that God has placed around you. And he says, that's the way you stand firm. He says, that's the way you strive. Together. So can I encourage you with that? You see, because Paul says, look in verse 28, without being frightened in any way of those who pose you, this is a sign of them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. You see, the picture of us together, standing firm together, striving together, living a life worthy of Jesus together, is a wonderful picture to the world that Jesus is real. That God is the God who saves. That this is authentic. That this is where life is. And this is where life eternal is in Jesus. Now, we're really strong in encouraging people to be in gospel communities. That is to be meeting up during the week with a group of people to be on doing life together. And this is why. We can do it here on a large scale. 
And that's great. And can I encourage you, don't miss Sundays. They're wonderful. I love them. No, even though you don't remember what I say, but I love them. <laughs> they're great places to be, aren't they? And they're really encouraging places to be because this is where you can be encouraged to stand firm and strive and together we can go out to do that. But when it comes to the everyday, we can't all be there, can we? But if we break ourselves down into smaller components, then we can be. We can have people that we gather together weekly to do this together with. And then when we go out into the week, we can actually do that together in the places that we go to. I think sometimes we think that we just have to be mavericks. Just go out by ourselves and try and stand firm, try to strive, try to live a life worthy of Jesus all by ourselves. But that's not the picture that Paul paints, is it? He wants us to do that together, guys. Now, I know there's lots of things that get across us and we here... We don't want you just stuck in little holy huddles. We're not talking about that, are we? We want us to be out there in the community, loving and serving the community, but we don't want you doing that by yourself. We want you doing that together. We want you to have strong support, encouragement around you to do that and be part of that together. And that's why we want you to be part of small groups of our gospel communities, to be able to do that together. Now, lots of you are in that, and I want to encourage you to be in that, but I want to encourage you to make it a priority to be there. I know the weeks get hard and the weeks get tough, and there are good and legitimate reasons why not to be there, and those ones are okay, but don't take the easy one out. Because when you start taking the easy one out, then it becomes a habit, doesn't it? Legitimate one's fine. No one's, this is not a rule, it's not a law. We want you to be there because it's where you can be encouraged and grow and stand and strive. But don't take the easy road out, guys. The army is not an easy road out. The athletic striving around the track is not an easy way out, is it? Those guys train hard for both those positions and as they train hard together, they develop a camaraderie and a, and a sense of who we are together and together they go out. Can I encourage you to do that? Can I encourage you to be committed to that? Now we're all on different journeys here, we're all on different roads. Some of us are investigating and trying to find out whether this is real. Some of us uh, have been doing that for a long time. Some of us have decided that just recently and, and we're, we're going along with that. Can I encourage you in all of that, every one of you, to take time this week to sit back, to get some space, to think, to contemplate about taking on commitment of being committed to Jesus and being committed to his followers to stand firm and to strive together. I'm going to encourage you now just to take a moment. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to say amen at the end. But can I encourage you to take a moment now to be quiet, to take a moment now 
to ask for forgiveness, if this is something that you haven't been doing, if this is something where God has challenged you this morning with your commitment to him and where you're at with your life. Uh, if you're already there to ask God to really encourage you and uplift you and rejoice with you in what you're doing and how God's working with you to live a life worthy for him, to live a life committed to others. But how about we just take a moment, let's just be silent for a while and let's speak to our God and ask him to speak to us as we've heard his word, as we ask his spirit to apply that into our lives. Let's be quiet.